Got two niggas spoiling movies. Yeah. Brand new columns. That's me. And just in brown for your moving needs. Media popcorn. Woo! You haven't seen it? Well, we're gonna spoil it. Spoil it in your face. That's your warning. Uh. So if you get pissed, it's all your fault. What is up, Little Biscuits and Sun Dried Tomatoes? It's your boy, Eddie Collins, and I'm here with a very, very special guest and also going to soon be joined by my co-host. But before that, we have acclaimed director Tom George joining us. Uh, who just um, recently directed See How They Run, starring Sam Rockwell, uh, Adrian Brody, Ruth Wilson, and Sarsian Ronan. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Justin's rocked up literally at the end of the intro. It was perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. We're excited to have you, man. And how, uh, how are things over uh, in, in London right now? Things are good. Um, it's the afternoon, so I appreciate you guys uh, coming on uh, a little earlier than might be your usual slot. So uh, that's um, no, it's good. Like um, I've been um, working in, in sort of development and writing the last few months since that movie came out, um, and that's been a lovely like sort of break having after working on that film for a couple of years. Yeah, so um, not all good, and uh, just like pleased to be here with you guys and knowing in my mind that um this will be coming off the back of the most like iconic theme song in in podcasting <laughs> that's exciting you know? we we appreciate uh, that tom it, <laughs> we uh we, we love that theme song and hope that phil collins never uh, hears about us <laughs> he's gonna come after us one day he will he will once we get once we finally hit it that's what phil collins is gonna come and call and for some royalties but um until then Tom, I gotta ask. I mean, what was it like uh, directing a stat cast like this for See How They Run? I mean, you got Oscar nominees, you got two Oscar winners in this cast. I mean, and this is your feature debut, correct? So, what was yeah, that that's like? right. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, to be honest, I had to like try not to think about it mm. like most of the time, you know, because because if you thought about it too much, you'd just be sort of paralyzing. I'd gone from like making. Um, basically a show with my friends on that was on the BBC over here that started out as like a, a kind of tiny thing that even the BBC didn't really know was getting made and then kind of grew into like something of a kind of cult hit here. So then, yeah, as you say, making this film with, um, with this amazing cast, um, you know, Saoirse and Sam at the heart of it. And then, yeah, Adrian Brody, David Yellowo, Ruth Wilson, um, just uh, people just kept saying yes when we asked them to do it. So it was a really, uh, I think it's like a, probably not a usual like casting process. Um, but yeah, really like once we had Sersha come on board and then Sam quite soon afterwards, suddenly that kind of like, I think changed the feel of the film. And, and also it was really useful, not just from them being, um, you know, such big stars and such brilliant actors, obviously people are excited about that. Yep. But also this was like a film um, that, had it was kind of hard to necessarily get the tone on the page when you first read it, basically. And once those guys were were on board, it kind of unlocked it. I think for other people reading the script, they're like, okay, I can imagine Sam doing this or Saoirse doing this. And um, I think that just like really helped get across what it was we were trying to do, which is like for those who haven't seen the movie, 
it's like a murder mystery um, in the kind of classic sense, but it's also a film that's like about murder mysteries at the same time. So it's playing with the tropes and the genre. And there's probably a version of the film like that I could see when I first read it, where everything kind of was turned up to like 11. And frankly, that was a film I didn't want to see. And so um, <laughs> once you had um, Saoirse and Sam on board, you, it kind of gave you a clue. Okay, what they're talking about is like rooting it in like, although it's this heightened world, the performances are going to be sort of nuanced and, and, and rooted and, and detailed. And, um, and so that, that was kind of the, the, a key part to like, to kind of making sense of it, I think for people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, amazing. And as I say, genuinely tried to like, not think about it. I tried to come to work like it was a normal day of work. That was the important, like, you know, even though it was a classic duck's feet, yeah. like under the surface of the water, <laughs> like very much anxiety, uh, racing, but, um, yeah, just trying to like, you know, not get caught up in the fact that there are these big stars, which was, you know, easier said than done. Cause, um, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of my, like, you know, just people I loved having seen them, you know, throughout their careers, but getting to mix them in with a bunch of my sort of, I suppose, like comic acting heroes from here in the UK, that was really like special mm. and seeing them come together yeah. into an, an ensemble that kind of hopefully feels like it's all pulling in the same direction, even though you've got these quite different kind of, uh, different backgrounds to the sort of to the to the cast members absolutely folks please see uh see how they run it's on disney plus uh, tom did a great job putting that together i had a lot of fun watching it um but i watched it back uh when you and i first did doug loves movies um so that was, yeah that's right that's when we first met wasn't it yeah, sorry i'm just clattering around like no uh, 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 <laughs> it's like ting clang kung. it's like making uh, homemade music here sorry about that um yeah we met on doug on uh doing doug loves movies my first time on that show and um yeah uh i was good. very anxious going i enjoyed it you know i enjoyed yeah. it yeah, it's yeah. hard because you're going on with like comedians and it's like yeah but um no yeah. i again like he just creates such a great atmosphere on that show and it's again it's just like it's just like hanging out with mates isn't it absolutely and but i think you joined during like the middle of like my winning streak on that show and so it was kind of like doug was like oh yeah you're going against brandon you're gonna probably lose and then i think you did lose and you were very like but you were very humble about it you're like oh well you know it's it's gonna happen yeah that's the way you gotta be if you're gonna lose you gotta be humble about it <laughs> i don't know if you like an arrogant loser see i like um, I, I, I mean humble. we all love michael jordan though <laughs> you know that's the that's the guy you you never want to even say anything to because he's gonna come after you for losing yeah mike is so bitter he <laughs> they made a documentary about him but he was airing his grievances <laughs> Just... and he still somehow won <laughs> yep. he still came out on top yep <laughs> but you know who didn't come out on top was brendan fry the star of brick uh he uh you know he got tangled into some stuff and got taken down a peg or two even though he did solve the crime and the mystery it's a, it's a segue it's a good yep. segue brandon uh, that's what i do yeah, that's i say i say insane things on the show but some i'm good with segues um but it's so interesting, though, because uh, we haven't done Brick, and I remember Brick being a huge film for me, and I'm sure for you, Tom, doing, like, you know, being into the murder mysteries and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, Ryan Johnson, he went from Star Wars and Looper to, to you know, lot Knives Out. It's like, he started with Brick. This is his feature debut, this, like, kind of murder mystery um, thing that started off, like, really small, like, Sundance, everything, uh, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um 
So, Tom, why did you pick Brick? And uh, what does this movie mean to you? Well, I love this movie when it first came out. Um, but I realized I had probably haven't watched it in 10 or 15 years. Like, it would be that long. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I suppose it came out at a time when I was just starting to think of like filmmaking as something that I might be able to do. Like, I didn't go to film school or any of that, but, um, and I was, I suppose, a little bit younger than Ryan. So I was more in the sort of YouTube sort of world where I was mm-hmm. first starting out. But it was coming out at that time where, um, you know, um, I don't know, I suppose I was really interested in um, films that were done on a, what seemed like a kind of micro budget, right? First features yeah. done in a way that, and, and this falls into that category. And I suppose other films were like uh, Pie by Darren Aronofsky, um, oh, Following by Christopher Nolan, like f- films like from what have gone on to be these like, you know, incredible filmmakers. And like so often their first features were done on a kind of micro sort of shoestring budget. Um, and, you know, uh, above all, it's like a great story. It's really like good storytelling, super economic, Brick is. Um, but also I love the swing it's taken with tone. You know, it's Ooh, like, yeah. this is a real risk. Like, I think this film, the whole idea behind this film is kind of like, it could easily be a car crash, I think. And so it has to be like handled just right and make sure that everyone's like pulling in the same direction, that everyone gets what they're trying to do. Um, and I think particularly for a first feature, that's that's really, um, really bold. And also I love like l- looking back at this as Ryan's first feature, you can still see so many of the things that will like become kind of intrinsic to his style. Mm. I think like, you know, you got the like smart, intricate plotting, um, the kind of economy to the shooting style, like the visual style of it is is economic, but always like pulls you in. Um, it's, it's kind of like, it's smartly done. There's, you know, there's always something to like engage you in, in the visual style. Um, and above all, a kind of love of language. Like, I think yeah. he like loves words and like the musicality and rhythms of like dialogue. And I think you kind of see that throughout all his projects. So it was, it was interesting like to go back to it and see that all of that is in Brick for sure. Definitely. I mean, it had a budget of, um, based on you just researched, $450,000. It ended up grossing $3.9 million. I did see this when it first came out um, in theaters because I was in, like, in college in New York, and I was by the Angelica, which is on Houston Street, and that's where all the independent small films would go, uh, be released. Um, and Justin's kind of smirking because, Tom, I have to. Okay, so... I got to tell you something. I love this movie so much. And I was so influenced by the idea of high schoolers talking like this, that in college I had a screenwriting class and I wrote like my old parody of this film that called it shuffle. And it was like with even younger kids. I think they were what? 10 years old, Justin. Mm-hmm. They were 10 years old. It was about this kid trying to find uh, out what his ex-girlfriend did to his iPod shuffle. And it is one of the most problematic insane short film scripts and and tom it's horrible it's horrible it's not terrible it can't be terrible i was just no it's not terrible it's horrible (laughs) i mean it's unhinged for sure it's definitely uh so i i was heavily influenced by this at one point in my life and uh like you said tom you take some big swings with this toad and i did and uh they were all misses they were all <laughs> so it's funny because when we were watching this film all i could see was shuffle <laughs> all the way through now i did not know that that this is the film that influenced shuffle but 
as I was watching it, I was just like, oh my God, this is like watching Shuffle. And now I understand why. And now I know why I was just like, why does this have Brandon written all over it? So like, I feel like I now have to watch this without the Brandon lens on it. Mm. Because I should have, you should have told me that. So then I... <laughs> So I wanna, it's not being I wanna, corroded I wanna, by you. <laughs> I want to hear, and I'm sure that your audience will hear more about Shuffle. Before we get on to Brit, like, can you just like kick us off with the synopsis? Like, oh. what, what was, what, well, what, what were we talking with? Well, talking that's, about it? that's the thing. Uh, we we recorded the live read. It's available on the paywall on Patreon.com/slash Media Popcorn, folks. Uh, it's 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 a it's a twisty turn. It's a twisty road. Uh, you know, with this kid, this young kid, just trying to figure out what happened to his iPod Shuffle, as well as his ex girlfriend, and people getting poked in the booty holes. Uh, well, just like that's weird an, stuff. Like it's an that. interrogation tactic. It's a uh, you know, I was I was twenty. I listened to a lot of uh, I was listening to a lot of Camera on the Diplomats. It was and Lil Wayne. It was a it was a weird script. It was a very weird script. But hey. Ryan Johnson wrote this the original <laughs> screenplay for this in 1997, right out of film school. Okay, it took him years yeah. to get the funding for the project. So you know you gotta you gotta believe. That's what I'm trying to say. Baby you know? steps, huh? That's what I, you're saying. Baby yeah. steps. Because what did it take? Uh, I, I I was a sophomore. No, I was a junior in college, and so that would be like 2007, 2000. Yeah, 2007 ish, and it's 2023. I was an official writer for Universal until the writers strike. So you know I've come a long way, guys. That's all you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like the, <laughs> yeah, we, we're just going to bypass all of that. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, Brandon, you have come a long way. You, you definitely have because, uh, Tom, one of these days, uh, you'll have to uh, be subjected to shuffle and uh, you'll understand what the rest of us were dealing with. And we did that live reading because it, it was, uh, it, it was a time, to say the least. The worst decision I made, Tom, besides writing Shuffle, especially, like, not even, like, giving it a once-over, I hadn't read it since college. So, like, I'm, like, watching it. I'm reading it with fresh eyes with the comedians I booked, and these are my comedy friends. And so they're immediately like, oh, no. They're like, Brandon, what did you get us into? I'm like, hey, I'm paying you guys. But, yes, this, this is insane. We're, we're like, literally... not enough. Not enough. No, not yeah. enough. <laughs> we're literally like you're reading and then you're seeing what's coming up and you're just like, wait, what? Wait, wait, I have to yeah. say that. Yeah. Definitely was... like reading ahead, trying to see what's coming down the track, <laughs> like laying the track as you go. Yeah. It, uh, it, it I can't a... wait to, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into that. Oh, geez. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting to say the least. But I also feel like, um, you know, this film was like a part of like, um, a time frame where it was like, you know, high schoolers and they were speaking, you know, and, and like acting like full on adults and like beyond their years. So like this was a thing at that time. Um, I don't know, like me, it always kind of bothered me um, uh, when uh, with these kinds of films, because I'm just like, no high school actually talks like that. But even so, like for, for this one is like you have high school drug dealers. Which, you know, you know, I've known some drug dealers in my day in high school, and they no one acted like this. No one walked around in a cape looking like Count Dra uh, Dracula uh, with the cane. Like, like that was so crazy. Well, he me. had the, you know, the, the, the leg. He had the little no, leg. I know. I get that. I get that. And, and that's why he has a cane. 
But why yeah, doesn't is he wearing the cape? cape? <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. Because he's the like, pin. Are you doing magic? When is when's the magic show starting? What I would say is that I think that that I totally agree with you, Justin. Like that is a thing, particularly like American high school movies, mm-hmm. and the, and you know the cut. They're often like in that period. It's clearly like twenty nine year olds playing the teenagers, and they're all speaking in a sort of like uh, like adults. I'd say like the what works for me with Brick, where some of those others don't, is like it is aware of that and it's almost pushed that to an absurdist level, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kind yeah. of pushed that to its limit. So it feels deliberate. They're not expecting you to go, oh, something up here. What is like, they're, they're sort of, they're, they're being kind of upfront with that, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's definitely a, definitely a thing in films from that period. I almost feel like it's like leaning into that in a way, do you know what I mean? Like kind of yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, it, like, it's like, I felt like, um, uh, what you call it, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh, character was almost like the Josh Hartnett, uh, you know, for, for this film. He was yes. very Josh Hartnett, you know, in that time frame of like what he was doing uh, with a lot of the roles that he was given. I mean, I think he's a better, he's he's had a better filmography, if you ask me. Oh, sure. um, uh, I mean, for me, I think it was that Brendan, Brendan's like that reluctant, He's, you know, it's like a, what is it, Roadrunner? Like, no, not Blade Runner. Blade Runner, like, like characters like that that are reluctantly pulled into this crazy situation and just kind of, like, dealing with it. I, I, I also love the, the, the dialogue. I think I bought in immediately when, when he goes to when, uh, the brain. And brain's like, how goes it, Brendan? He's like, status quo. Like, you know, things like that where you're like, oh, these, this is going to be a whole different thing. And then, like, he had that scene with Richard Roundtree. So they got Shaft to be the principal. <laughs> And like you know, revealed that Brendan had ratted out to him before. He's like, you gotta give me something to, you know, to bite on. Um, I just really bought into it, but I also read like a lot of Agatha Christie stuff. You know, Justin, you and I have often talked about like you know, nineteen thirties gangster movies and how they used the to noirs, speak. The, noirs. Yeah, the noirs. So it's like this, like a noir meets Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah, in a way, in a way, kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's like I got the DVD right here. For, oh wow! Okay, um, for, I have a for, back you know, which is a, a for a non-visual time, medium. Yeah. And what's what's interesting is like Brick, a detective movie. That's what it says, right? <laughs> and so right from the which which sounds like yeah, okay. But I think what that's doing is like it's telling you it's working within a specific genre, right? Yeah. And that becomes apparent from the get-go. And you either get on board with that, like Brandon, or you do not get on board with that, like Justin. And that's fine, <laughs> you know. Films don't have to be for everyone, but um. But yeah, it's like definitely playing into, I think like um, Ryan Johnson said, you know, that he started kind of with the Coens and that that led him to um, like detective fiction of the mm. of the kind of 30s and 40s, like Hammett and, um, you know, Raymond Chandler. Um, and, you know, I think the film for me, like visually and just stylistically that I was really reminded of watching it again is, and I think is clearly a big influence is Chinatown. Like that seems mm, to be yeah. the film that it's most, it's kind of like take Chinatown and apply it to American high school, right? So you get this detective movie, but in the context of an American high school. And then the, the question is, how do you handle that? Because there's a spoof version of that, right? Isn't there? There's a co- an out and out comic version of that, which in a way is less risky because I think it's such a familiar genre, you know, like the murder mystery is, it's a familiar genre it's open to like um, to playing with it and to playing with people's expectations and to finding comedy in that, in the sort of tropes of that genre. But what they do here is they play it completely straight. 
You know, yes. they yeah. it yeah. never they never wink at you. And although there is funny stuff in it, and you've touched on some of it already, Ryan, and we should definitely talk about that. It never feels like it breaks that world. It feels like the kind of tone and humor that you get in this kind of detective fiction as well, right? It's like fast quipping stuff with the police chief or whatever that might be. It's like it 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 really like you know sticks to that that tone. It plays it completely straight, and and I kind of think that's why it's like bold to do that. I think the only like yeah, and I completely agree with you, Tom. I think the only issue personally I had were that some of the performances either didn't quite fit with exactly. Mm. It felt like sometimes there was characters that were in different movies, right? Like I think about yeah. Brian White, White as Brad Bramson, like the the jock that like is involved in this like drug game, and like he's just so over the top and like screwed about the coach won't put me in, which actually reminded me a lot of Napoleon Dynamite. And how the uncle kept saying, like, we would have won state if the coach had just put me in. Um, and then the guy that played Tug, uh, Noah Fletcher, yeah. he he was, it was a bit, bit rough. It was a bit, because <laughs> I know he's supposed to be an enforcer, but, like, just his physicality, and stuff, it just felt like, you know, it's something where it's tough. Because as a director, I imagine you'd be like, hey, like, let's try to make this a little bit more natural. Like, because it seems like you're forcing being a tough guy versus just being the tough guy. And That's that, interesting, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Brandon. Like, I, I and having heard like um, Ryan Johnson and um, Joseph Gordon Levitt talk a little bit about it, like they, I think they like tr- they initially wanted to come at it like uh, with a t- an idea of total naturalism that it would be played like really naturally, and then they realised the way the language itself needed to be drilled in a certain way, right? It had to be like performed. The rhythms of it were important. It had to be performed like really at pace and in the way that that kind of style of film is like really kind of pa 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 really drilled like in a dialogue sense you know everyone's mm-hmm. coming back at each other quickly and what's interesting is you know then you're trying to do a thing where it's like kind of stylized naturalism right on the one hand i think you've got um you know a performance style like i say where the script dictates that you do it in a not very natural way but then you're looking for the actors to still bring a sort of natural a naturalism to that performance even within that framework and Joseph Gordon Lovett, for me, Levitt rather, does that. And he pulls that off because he he does enough to like work within what the genre requires. But you always also feel like it's a contemporary performance underneath it. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's detail to it. You believe he's going through stuff. And I think that's a really tricky thing for like young and quite inexperienced actors in particular to get right. I would agree that like you know, that some people get it well, more right than than others, for sure. It's interesting you say that, because Joseph Gore-Levitt, he's a child <laughs> actor, right? He's been acting since Angels in the Outfield and yeah. th- mm. uh, Third Rock from the Sun, so he had been out here working. Um, I know Noah, yeah. Nora Zetter, who played um, the femme fatale, so to speak, um, she, she had been in a few, like, uh, I think WB shows here and there. And of course, we got Richard Roundtree, uh, Matt O'Leary, he looked somewhat familiar, but Lucas Haas, I remember he was like a big child actor, kind of took a break for a while, you know, being part of Megan Lee. Good. Yeah, Megan Good. That's right. Yes. You know, Justin and I are big fans. Um, even though my, my cousin Skeeter, my cousin, Skeeter. she wasn't my cousin Skeeter. That's right. That's <laughs> why do you keep bringing that show up? Like, that was such that, a disturbing that show, show. was great. That show was great. The kid was walked kid. around high school with a, a Muppet. That actually would have been kind of fun, but like again, going into the comedy realm, Tommy, Tommy, you were talking about, but it would have been hilarious just to see what Muppet pop up, like a Muppet, you know, the Muppet. Actually, it would have been hilarious if there were. It was like 
half like you know human people and uh, the other half were muppets <laughs> that that were all a part of this movie that would have been insane what was that show i feel like it was a youtube like series maybe going back early days of youtube 10 or 15 years ago where it was like muppet style characters in a kind of noirish detective universe does that ring any bells for you that it was like, and I, I'm sure, basically what I'm saying is, I think your dream can come true, Justin. I think it's already <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> but, so, but I also think it's like, and because you have the Muppets, the Muppets, you can have those Muppets doing like the most flagrant things. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> Which makes it even uh, crazier. They did try that with the Happy Time merge that came out about like five years ago with Melissa McCarthy. Um, it yeah, did, yeah, yeah. But it didn't That's, quite uh, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that that was jumping off. I don't know whether it was the same people, but there was this much more like rough and ready, homemade lo-fi thing in, in exactly that same style yeah. of like a mix of like human detectives and Muppet detectives, grisly sort of murder cases, but it's Muppets. Like, I suppose it's that, yeah. Avenue, Q, that Avenue Q thing taken to like detectives. It, 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 it's kind of like a Who Framed uh, Roger Rabbit kind of take <laughs> yes. on it, if you really think yeah. about it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, this does play it straight. Like, it could have easily gone the com comedic realm, just, like, similar to Knives Out, like, but probably a little bit sillier just because it is younger. But um, I do like that Ryan played it straight. I think because at the time it came out, he was able to play it straight and do this because, remember, this is a time in the early 2000s where people were really sensitive, especially after Columbine, about teenagers killing teenagers. I mean, this changed, like, yeah. a lot of films and, like, the way that they were made. So I think he got very... Like, he was fortunate enough to be able to do this independently, so he didn't have, like, a, the influences of other other things to try to make him change the tone and approach to the film and the characters. Um, even though Brendan, like, when he gets attacked by that dude that Brad Bramish uh, pays to, you know, get back at him. For oh, the guy up, with the knife? Yeah, I'm like, where's security? Like, I, I, this is like a suburb. <laughs> and there's no drug yeah, I mean, dealers in barely... the area. There's basically no teachers around in this whole school. No, it's like the Charlie only Brown. person we see. Yeah, we see a lot of vice principal, but it's like basically like, you know, the kids are running wild. It's like a feral well, playground. In right? this film, if you think about it, we've only saw two adults, Richard Roundtree and the mom who just keeps on pouring these kids milk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the pins mom. Yeah. yeah. Was it milk yeah. or lemonade? I'm not, well, no, uh, like, he's mixing it up. He's so, like, there's times where they get served OJ, I think, and then there's. Yeah, that's right. I, I seem to remember. I think Tug likes milk. Like she's serving that's Tug right, milk, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then um, uh, what does uh the brain say? Is like Tug. That's like could be like milk and vodka, and I was just like, what has he been doing? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like the worst. Bot that sounds like a white Russian, but okay. <laughs> um, but then like you have uh, you know, at the end when you have everyone, at, I think it was at Tug's place. No, no, I'm sorry, the um, the, pen. the pens place. Yep. And she's there, and she's serve, and she's pouring milk for these kids. I'm just like, wait, what is happening right now? <laughs> at the end, there's another thing that I found funny, and I know it was just you know, it is what it is. But like when um, when Brendan. Uh, is he goes well, well when tug uh, uh kind of when him and tug have that uh, conversation about like hey this is what i think is going on the pen is not being uh truthful with everything the tug has him off of his feet choking him up against the wall first of all he's not strong enough to do that i can tell that kid's not strong enough but beyond that and brendan's talking to him as he's being choked in the air and he doesn't have a foot on solid ground. And I'm just like, 
you can't joke. You can't talk right now. You are joking. You <laughs> never had. How to are do you that? having this conversation? You never had to do that, Justin, where someone pulls, lifts you up, and you you trying to plead <laughs> for them to put you down. No, Brendan, because <laughs> you can't talk under those situations. I could, I could do it. I'm trying to get down. <laughs> like, that full-on conversation, I don't think that he's actually that. I'm just like, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how the human body works, my friend. I think given, like, uh, Ryan Johnson's influence of, like, uh, the Coen brothers and stuff, that, that um, mother scene, Justin, you're talking about, I mm-hmm. think that's probably paying homage to Goodfellas. You know how, like, um, Scorsese he put his mom in it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just murder Billy Bats, and she's like, y'all want some food? <laughs> They're, like, yeah, trying yeah. to bury it by. I think that that's kind of what it was supposed to be. Um, but, I mean, it wasn't saying that, like, you know, there's that huge battle at that little that little house, that little house on the hill. <laughs> like, that's going to... also really get, like, David Lynch vibes from the, the pin stuff, mm. you know? And it's partly, like, the design. Like, he's in, like, the pin cellar is this, like, uh, minimalist kind of... Um, like wood paneled space with like table lamps or whatever it's like obviously it's like deliberately not what you expect from either a high school student or a drug dealer right yeah but and he rides around but, in a um, van right he rides around with, in a van and in the back he gets driven stuff. around in a van and inside the back of the van is a table lamp or a lamp stand he's just like his he legs likes, crossed just he likes ambient light he wants it wherever he goes <laughs> He's, he's got to have up lighting. Um, I just need to know that, where that where that lamp is plugged in in the van. That's that's what I. Oh, was that's like, easy. <laughs> you know, there's there's always outlets and stuff like that. I imagine. Like baby it's true though. Like it's, this is 2005, my friend. This is pre USB connectors. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he had a generator. Um, I don't know where it plugged it into the cigarette light. <laughs> That's got to be it. That was the only way to charge anything before about yeah, what exactly. t- two thousand and five. So it's got to be. Actually, you know what? You know what? I, I, I'm gonna have to take that back because I had uh, a Lincoln Aviator, a two thousand four Lincoln Aviator, and in the back they had the outlet. I think that was the beginning of that. But at the same time, what this kid was driving was a van. So this is, <laughs> and it wasn't like it was like a work van. It wasn't like this one of the- those. It this wasn't is the like biggest a climb down. This is the biggest reversal I've ever seen. Like 30 <laughs> seconds ago, you were like, this broke the film for me. There was no logic to the lack of outlets in the back. And you were like, actually, I had a car with an outlet in the back. So, yeah. but, but, then, but then again, this kid, they, they were riding in a work van. They were, they were yeah, riding in yeah. like a plumber's van. So he wouldn't have, they would not have that. Well, to be fair, he was doing work. You know, that's how he picked up Brendan. Okay. Right. Uh, which it's a business expense. When uh, he yeah. finds out about the pen and uh, what does Brian say? He's like, he's old. He's like 26. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely these moments where it like skirts close to the absurdity. Like it goes kind of full absurd, right? And and I think the um, vice principal scene is like another one, right? There's a line where he says, um, uh, Brandon says to him something like, no more of these informal chats. If you've got a discipline issue with me, write me up or suspend me and I'll see you at parent conference, right? And it's like, it's like, it's kind of all of that is what the PI would say to the police chief until mm-hmm. it gets to the teacher conference bit. And it, I, like those moments where it like clearly tells you it's having fun with that, right? And it, like, I that is a risk. And it's like, and I totally see that some of the audience, like that might be the point you lose them. But um, 
But I think for me, it's like, it's just self-aware enough to like, keep it interesting and give me like, and, and find, for me to find it amusing, I suppose, without ever totally breaking that, that sort of like the conceit. Yeah, I think um, in regards to like the murder mystery of it all, I think that that's, um, I think I was overthinking it when I first saw this movie and being like, oh, there's got to be all these twists and turns. And it's actually pretty straightforward what happened like, yeah. with the ex-girlfriend and how she was kind of like hooking up with Dode and then Tug and like, you know, mm. she got involved with the wrong people, particularly um, what was, uh, what's her name? The, the femme fatale, uh, Laura and her scheme and everything. And like, you know, Brendan breaks it all down at the end. He's like, you know, you were behind all of this. And he knew from pretty much moment one not to trust her, even before he saw the cigarette that was from when he first had the phone call on the pay phone with, um, with Emily, right? So it's mm. like, he always knew, like, I got to keep her at arm's length. Um, and then once he saw the cigarette after that, he had that moment of weakness and, you know, they had a little kissy kiss on the bed, um, which I was like, all right, sure. I mean, isn't yeah, this guy necessary? Well, I was just like, isn't Brendan coughing up blood? Like, didn't he get beat up so much? Like, he's practically dying <laughs> and no one will help this kid. <laughs> he's on. His yeah, you're right. It... <laughs> yeah, he has wounds on his mouth. Yeah, that that ain't it. <laughs> it is not a time. Um. <laughs> But you're right. It's like it's laid out from the start, right? Like, because you, what I like about one of the things I like about it is like you're straight into the story, right? It starts fast. You come in, Brendan's found the body already, right? Yep. You're straight in, and then you have that phone call, and we get a riddle. What's well, basically a riddle because he gets this garbled message from Emily on the phone in the phone booth in the scene that you're talking about, Brandon, and uh, and she says, um, "I did what she said with the brick. I didn't know it was bad." but the pins on it now for poor Frisco and they're playing it all on me. And that's kind of like the whole movie in this one garbled line, but mm. she's hysterical and it's down the end of a phone and Brandon doesn't understand what it is. That's where it starts, right? He takes that kind of riddle to the brain and they start to unpick it and figure out what the different meaning of those terms might be. Are they slang? Are they people or whatever? Um, but yeah, I, you know, I quite like that about it, that it's like, um, it's kind of all there for you at the start. Mm -hmm. And by the time you come full circle, all of that's been like unpacked, I suppose. Um, but it definitely like throws you straight into the story from 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 the get go, which um, particularly in the first feature where um, you know then you can sometimes find um, that they're not necessarily the most like tightly honed sort of stories. Like you yeah. can tell that the Ryan Johnson's like just got great story instincts like from the top it's like throw them in chuck a riddle at them and then let's go and, and i enjoy that, that 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 side of it for sure you yeah. know i i i think you you made a really good point about you know it you know the way he kind of just went into it because i feel like a, like a lot of uh first-time directors are a little too um expositioning they feel like they need to build this whole world and, and yada, yada yada and they spend too much time doing that and then next thing you know, you have a you know two-hour movie, which obviously is, and you're going to hit the cutting room floor, and you know that then it's going to be something uh, completely different. But I think it, it was uh, pretty good that they just you know they they just immediately jumped right in. That that actually definitely did help. Yeah, I mean it's also funny though because like everything falls apart for this drug empire pretty quickly. I mean Brendan doesn't have to do too much for the pen and tugs operation to fall apart. I mean within. 55 minutes the operations in disarray and they're at war you know what i mean like brendan and i don't even think brendan intentionally put it 
like that. He was obviously trying to create friction and figure out what happened to Emily and what her role was in all of this. But it immediately fell apart where I was like, what is your end game, Laura? What is your end game? You know, uh, Tug, like, cause Tug is the one killing everybody. And it's like, well, well yeah, it's obvious because he's the one like quickly to pull his gun well, and start just. So you feel him. like, so you feel like this business is going to fall apart anyway. Like oh, it's kind yeah. of like the pandemic. The pandemic was like an accelerator for you know if the business was struggling, the pandemic probably sped it up. In this movie, this this uh, the pins operation was like it, it, it wasn't going to last long term anyway. Brendan yeah. just sort of sped things up. No, yeah. what he it's well, like you know the departed. It's like you know like Brendan doesn't have like much of a rep. So it's like it's like why would he let him as, into his operation so easily? I mean, yes, Tug beat him up, but like you know, within like a day or two, like the pen sitting on the beach talking to Brandon about life and like being philosophical and shit. It's like, bro, you got you got bigger problems on your hands. Well, I also think you know part of it is um, now are these art? Well. Um, I know you said somebody's uh, 26, but, but depend, like they're high depend, school yeah. kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, high school kids. And like, if you're looking at tug, you know, t- yeah, obviously tug is, um, he, he's a little crazy. He a little cray right here. Oh, you think? Right. But, um, he also all white, you know, a white beanie wherever they live. I don't know what's going on. They're in California, right? Yeah. They're in California. <laughs> with, yeah. with, with the with weird the... scar on his face. Was that a scar or a hair? I couldn't tell. I was trying yeah, to work that out scar. for the whole second half of the movie. I was like, I couldn't work out if that was a strand of hair or a, or a no, cut. I, I think it was supposed to be a scar. Okay. At first, I thought it was like a blood trickling down his head. But I was like, wait a second. That's not blood. And I was looking closer. It's definitely a scar because it doesn't move at any point. Mm. So the thing is, uh, obviously, he's crazy. But he's crazy. He's also he's overtly emotional. Because you know, mm-hmm. I think the one turn in this film was the fact that Emily was was pregnant, and we had a uh, whose baby is it? Is is it uh, is it Tugs or is it uh, what's the other kids? Um, oh, uh, uh, Dode. 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 Who yeah, uh, Dode. that actor has been in every Ryan Johnson movie, by the way. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that actor is like, like an Adam uh, Sandler film. Yeah, Noah Sagan. He was in, you know, he was in Star Wars, uh, Last Jedi. He was like a random stormtrooper. He was in Looper. And I forgot the role he had in Looper, but in Knives Out, he was initially the, the 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 partner of Lakeith Stanfield in the first Knives Out, and the second one, Glass Onion. He's the dude that's just walking around the island, just getting hammered. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like so, it's 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 nice that he has like a friend that he just puts in everything. I need to get a friend who's uh, a director. So just put me in like Give me a long career. Hey, man, whatever you're doing, I'm doing too. Yeah, it's like um, Michael Madsen and Quentin Tarantino. like, <laughs> Or just Adam Sandler and all of the oh, people yeah, that he's put on over the years. True. Uh, yeah, so uh, Tug, you know, because, you know, so his killings are more emotional killings. And, you know, and so, like, with the whole thing of Emily being pregnant and, and and not knowing who it is, and so that killing wasn't necessarily about drugs. That was a personal thing. Uh, so bring – and I think that was a good part because, like, people in this age range are typically uh, very uh, volatile. So now you're talking about something as serious as a child. No, no, for real. I mean, kids uh, – High schoolers are, are are a little bit more volatile. They, you know the, the emotions well, and things yeah, like yeah, that. They, they feel them a little harder. 
So like him actually, the, the way he lashes out, not saying that any high school kid would yeah, turn into I'm Tug. Like, just, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not saying why high school kids would turn into Tug, but I think it's like, okay, so like he lost, he lost his shit and then he killed her. <laughs> it's like, I could see, you know, that's the kind of things I could see happening to also someone who's also dealing with the pressure of being an enforcer. You know, for a drug kingpin who's also dressed like Count Dracula. And lives at home with his mom. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. This operation was it was being held up by straws. No, no. The whole the movie's wild. <laughs> the movie's wild. <laughs> and also you don't hold things up by straws. I don't know what saying I was trying to go with, but um yeah, this I get it though. It, it painted a picture. Yeah, it I was, a weird I, you picture know about you know. I was thinking about Doe with the straw whistle. I like that, that moment. Crew. There's yeah. these little moments, like that's a good visual gag as well, right? Yeah. And it's sort of like, yeah, there's those sort of moments. I think you see those like little bits of flair. He like there's a there's a he turns up to like the drop the dropout kids who are sort of like I guess they're like the junkies in a sort of mm. detective mm. you know sort of world in that universe. They're all kind of hanging out the back of the, of the, of the store and by the garbage cans, like, um, and uh, and as as he approaches as a kid. Doing that thing with a straw where he's making it like a slide whistle. Yeah. So it's making yep. a, that really annoying noise. And then he just sort of grips it halfway through. Stay on that same shot. He takes it out, comes back, and he's tied a knot in it, puts it back in the kid's mouth. Yep. Like, there's little moments like that. Um, yeah, I, I really love. It did remind but, me of when I had a slide whistle growing up. And I remember, like, that had to be such a stupid purchase for my mom. Like, I want a slide whistle. Then you just... Yeah. And there's no, like, it's not like... Like a proper instrument, no offense. No, not like a you, proper instrument. Yeah, where like, oh, uh, no, no, take, there, there's offense there. What, <laughs> in, and I said no offense, it was intended. But what um, <laughs> what I'm saying is it's like, say the violin, for example, or the flute. Terrible, terrible instruments, like, for a beginner, to hear a beginner playing, right? But at oh, least yeah. there's a sort of potential end goal there. Um, there's no slide whistle in the orchestra, you know. It's going nowhere. <laughs> it, 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 its only purpose is to be incredibly annoying. <laughs> and it would never it would never get better than that so i also think that we need to give a shout out to the character emily because emily mm. went from brandon or brendan i uh, was it uh brendan fry uh, 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 brendan which actually uh, it's crazy because there's a new york comedian with that exact name but anyways yeah i know i know it's so <laughs> weird so she she went from brendan to uh like a, a burnout you know, kind of like, kind of crackhead. He, he, he seems like he's on the road to crackhead in Dode. And then a crazy man in Tug. Like, what was she doing? She's playing what the game, she baby. She's playing the game. Well, uh, well, you know what the game is. It's interesting as well. It's thinking about, like, Brendan as well. Like, do you think Brendan's a good guy? I was thinking about that, like, watching the film. It's like, obviously, he's there as a kind of, kind of, um, avenging angel or whatever that's sort of his character but you think about it like he's like the ultimate white knight right he's like they broke up because he's he was overprotective and now he's like trying to make up for all his own shit basically by going on this rampage it's interesting to think about whether he is actually the hero of the film well he and he's also like isn't he like a social pariah at this point because he did rat out everyone kind of knows that he ratted out um the one dude uh, who's yeah. like you know dealing Emily to drugs and stuff so it's kind of like you know he's isolated like he doesn't have you know and that's a tough place to be also as a high schooler 
you know, where you're like isolated, you're talking like a 1930s uh, detective. <laughs> you're just like, what is the world these days? Um, and the, yeah, it's it's very interesting, Brendan's character and his character arc throughout the story. Like, you know, where he starts, where he's just like isolated and kind of broken because they didn't break up too long ago before the movie starts. Because they said that uh, at yep. the end, they said that she's three months pregnant, which means that they were still dating just a few months ago, which is, to Justin's point, that is crazy, like, just the, what happened to her. Yeah, the spiral, the spiral, yeah. yeah. But, you know, that does happen to people when they get involved in drugs and start doing some wild stuff, you know, and, yeah. Like, a thing, like, from a sort of British perspective, like, that's always fascinating about, you know, the films that it's trading off, but also this film is, like, the reason it fit the detective sort of, um fiction fits so well over the high school thing is because you got that this like um stratification of like american high school like in everyone's imagination right mm-hmm. you got you got the geeks and you got the jocks and you got the nerds or whatever well they're the same as the geeks you can tell me what the other what do they call are. them in london what like i mean it's just not what my question is like is that a thing is it still a thing because here it's just not like, it's like, of course mm. there's always different cliques and people have different friends. And like, there might be certain people who go, Oh, that's the nerd crew. I wouldn't want to be with them or whatever, but it feels like, is that, I'm interested to know whether you think that's a, like a real thing that films have like um, kind of articulated, or is it a thing created really by the movies and by TV shows to give that sense that there's this like really hard strata of social society within school. I think that at one point that was probably a little bit more prevalent, yeah. but not to the extent in which uh, it's kind of promoted that it, it was like this, like, oh, yeah, the geeks over here and, and the jocks over there. I think that there was uh, a social class. There is a social class system in the high schools in America, which does exist or existed uh, to some point. But I feel like things have changed so much and things blend uh, far more than mm-hmm. they ever have. Yeah. And, you know, partly it's, you know, partly it's the internet. I think it's partly it's just, um, you know, the other part is like people just, I think at some point realized that, you know, you can kind of cross with some of the, um, uh, you know, the things that you like and things like that, because there are yeah. far more jocks are into the nerdy stuff, you know, and, and, and what have you. So it's like, I think that it changed, but I think that there was a point in the in in the United States where that was far more prevalent. And I I I I'd even go to say it was probably starting from like the the seventies and eighties and started to phase out towards the early two thousands. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, that whole like you know culture's got um, you know it just feels like it's so you know. Even like back in the nineties, you know, the like culture was a much simpler like construct, right? You know, yeah. there was, um, you know, just now there's just the sheer quantity of like, you know, music and movies and TV shows uh, has increased so far that like you don't have these huge homogenous groups quite anymore in the same way. Yeah, it's interesting because yeah. like to Justin's point, like I think about my sister-in-law and you know she just turned twenty-one. And that generation's kind of like uh, they, like Justin said, they kind of blend together with the different cliques that normally would be kind of segregated, especially like when we were growing up. Like in, but I also think it depends on like where you're growing up and where yeah. like what your yeah, environment. Because the suburbs, I would say, like when I was growing up, was very much like clicky, like the different 
you know, genres uh, and subgroups, right? Whereas mm. when I was teaching in like New York and New Jersey in those urban schools, there wasn't really clicks. It was like, you're cool or you're not. Like, that's it. Like, there's, there's like, you know, everyone else is pocketing the bigger group, but the cool kids, like, those were, those were all different walks of life. Like, there would be one kid that was like, really into, like, magic, and everyone was like, but that kid's mad smart, so that's why he was popular. And there's one kid that's, like, you know, a great musician. Like, you know, everyone had their own talents as to what made them the, the cool kid at that school. Um, uh, then, magic has never been cool, Brennan. <laughs> you'd be surprised, man. This kid was killing it out of East Orange, New Jersey. I mean, he wasn't doing magic. It was the magic card. <laughs> it was the card game. But anyway. No, yeah. uh, a funny thing is I was in the Hamptons. Uh, I just graduated college. I was in the Hamptons. And um, and I was at a club. And, you know, some of my you know friends, you know, some of them being girls, uh, at this place and i'm pretty sure it was oh my god what was that magician at the time i, think, I don't know David it was angel I, I i don't know little 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 short guy but there was a guy at the club in the hamptons doing magic and he was using that as a tool to try to pick up women which i was like it's never gonna work and it didn't work for him but like but it, he uh, it may yeah i think it may have been chris angel i think it may have been chris angel out there uh, but it it was just very weird to see a guy literally like seriously in in a club in a social setting doing magic and he was doing great tricks he's like doing really like high level stuff I'm I'm sitting there talking to him I was like oh that's that's pretty cool but you know it's, it's kind of weird that you're doing magic right now right right here <laughs> Justin you gotta fit in where you get in or get in where you fit in I don't I'm I'm flip it it's 7 a.m in the morning guys <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't expect to be doing riddles you know, i'm not brian johnson writing these cryptic notes and shit where's the duct tape brandon <laughs> <laughs> i mean at the end um okay so laura laura called him a motherfucker that's what she whispers to him right mm. before she leaves yeah i, I mean i've read that I wouldn't say I got that just from watching it, but yeah, that feels yeah. yeah I mean, did you hear her say that, or you? No, just I just heard her say "mother," and then the rest was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then yeah. she walks away, and he, that's when he tells the brain, "She called me a dirty word." Mm. And but, the brain, and the brain says, "Okay, don't tell me if you don't want to." Yeah. He's like, he thinks he's lying to him, right? Yeah. And I had, a, I have a scene in Shuffle that's like that. That's like my <laughs> ending. And it just it doesn't hit the same way because you got you know it's a cool shot too because you got Matt O'Leary in the background and. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting that closure. Uh, I did love yeah. that she had the last burn, though. She's like, okay, so you set me up to go down for this. You got me. But did you know that Emily was three months pregnant, which means you know who the daddy is. Peace. Because <laughs> you know she ain't going back to the locker. She goes, she, had, she getting out of Dodge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's jumping on the train. <laughs> going to New York and City. And she's got a rich lawyer, I feel like. Oh. You know, <laughs> that it's going to be fine. Yeah, wearing those hats that she was wearing, I'm pretty sure she's gonna be okay. Yeah, Brenton's over here putting duct tape on his torn uh, uh, jean jacket. Like he's he's in trouble. <laughs> if they, he doesn't get framed for some of this stuff, he, he that's a blessing. He better lawyer I'm, up. Oh, Kate, we need to go back to that scene where uh, Brendan's being chased, and and then like he goes and around he takes the corner, his shoes off. Yes. Yeah. So he could trip that dude, and the dude went headfirst into us into a pole. He's dead, right? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> or, or or he's at least a vegetable now, right? He's he's severely concussed. He's he's not coming back, right? No, the brain tells us at the end he's like the knife guy. He woke up and he said, and that he was like that was just Brad. That was just like a revenge thing. That was like nothing to do with everything else. That's like pretty much the last thing brain tells him. But I, I agree with your premise, Justin, which is uh, uh, he should be dead. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I always yeah. thought he was dead. Oh, he's running. He's running full pelt. And yeah. gets tripped and collides with a metal bar. But again, it's, he's, he's dead. He's dead. Concussion, <laughs> concussion, dead uh, asleep, and night night funeral. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's how it goes. We're going to rate this in a second, but I will say I do feel like it's weird that there's fewer consequences for the drugs and the death and the carnage that was happening in this town and at the school than there was in 21 Jump Street. You know what I mean? In, the, in that movie, they're literally hired because of drug overdoses and, and murders happening. And then the school, every, it's just Richard Rowtree like, hey, one snitch. You got to tell me what's going on. Otherwise, you're over. <laughs> um, but Justin, break down our raid system, baby. Stop calling me, baby. So uh, we rate movies, bags of popcorn, small, medium, large, and the XL for the exceptional. If a film doesn't deserve any popcorn, we throw it into the dog shit pile where we pile piles and piles of dog shit on top of it. So, Tom, we sat down and we watched Brick, a 2005 uh, film uh, by Ryan Johnson, starring George, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Nora. Oh, I, I can't even. I'm going to destroy her name. But let's talk about the important people, Richard Roundtree and Megan Good. <laughs> Tom, what say you, sir? I think um, I'm giving this a large popcorn. Uh, I feel like it, like, stands up surprisingly well at this point. In a way, it's kind of like... Uh, you know, maybe timeless isn't quite right. It's a, but but I think the fact that it's like working within this genre uh, means that it kind of it still plays roughly the same today as it did then. Um, I love the like language. I love the like uh, as we said earlier, the like t- the approach to tone and the risk taking with the first feature to like um, <laughs> to to do something is bold. And I love the fact that Ryan Johnson loves genre. Like, I really appreciate that about him. Like, I think sometimes genre has become a bit of a dirty word in, amongst filmmakers. It's like, oh, suggests like mainstream or commercial or like, you, you know, you just like tr- like trad ideas that have been repeated. What he does so well is like takes a thing and, and kind of makes it his own. And so um, I think first feature under half a million dollars um, and this bold take on tone, um, I, I still really loved it. And uh, uh, that's why it's getting a large popcorn for me. All right, Brandon. Yeah, but I'm also going to go with a large popcorn. I I really enjoy this movie. I think it does drag in some parts, and there's some inconsistent performances. But overall, especially when this came out, there's there had been very little like this, especially in regards to its setting and its approach. And I think just for the uniqueness, it made me a fan of Ryan Johnson for you know since since I saw this movie. I've seen every one of his movies. Um, he when his name came up, you know, for the Last Jedi, given the work that he had done as a feature director, as well as, you know, directing on Breaking Bad. I'm like, Star Wars is going to be in good hands. And of course, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and them, they were like, yeah, we don't like what you did, but I'm glad that he found the Knives Out series and that this was kind of like a jump, you know, a launch pad for that, like getting into the murder mystery genre. Um, And also like, I just, I just love the writing. The script is really, really tight. Um, It's on his website, I believe, Uh, but I've had it on my desktop for a long time, but um yeah, it's it's just a really fascinating 
murder mystery that obviously influenced me in various ways, including Shuffle. Again, that's available on patreon.com slash mini popcorn. Remember me differently if you listen to that. Um, but yeah, I large popcorn still. Justin? Uh, just so you know, Brandon, that uh, when you die, and uh, and it will definitely be before me because, you know, um, I'm going to put a video on your headstone, like a video player on your headstone, and I'm just going to play Shuffle on loop. So that's what you're remembering. <laughs> Anybody who walks by. You won't be able to afford that technology. <laughs> so your threat I, is mute. I think I can make it happen. Um, but actually, I'm going to give this a small. I'm going to give it a small. For one, this also influenced Brandon Shuffle. I cannot... <laughs> I cannot congratulate that. That 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 that, that it did so many terrible things for for so many of us. Um, it's um, don't hold that like, against Riot. No, I can. Um, like I said uh, about like you know that genre, that was something that I really wasn't into. Uh, so like you know, it, it's also like anytime I watch those films, I'm like, oh, these guys again. Um, but. At the same time, I also like this is it is uh, a pretty entertaining uh, to watch because it's also nuts. But, you know, it's also it's it's a grounded nutty film, if that makes any sense. (laughs) So um, it's a grounded nutty film. You can quote me on that. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a small. Uh, That's definitely going to be the corner on tomatoes, Justin. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Tom, thank you so much for joining us to break down Brick by Ryan Johnson. It's been a long time coming doing this film. It's a favorite of mine, so I'm glad we got to do it despite Justin's uh, reservations. Um, please tell the people how they can follow you and uh, you know see your films and keep up with your projects. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I, I'll uh, add a ball, guys. Um, you can um, follow me on social media, Tom George Film. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm sometimes on Twitter, but like most of us, sort of looking for the back door. So I might be there, but I'm definitely on Instagram. And um, check out See How They Run, which is on Disney Plus um, at the moment. Nice. Nice. And then, Justin, how can people follow you as well as support the show financially if they choose to do so? Guys, you can follow me at Jay Brown Did It on the socials. And if you love this show and you want more of this show, take yourself over to patreon.com slash medium popcorn. We have $2, $5, $10, and $15 packages. That's right. Our entire backlog goes on to Patreon. We have bonus episodes. We have uh, many, uh, many episodes as well, many shows rather. And then on top of that, you can also find Shuffle, the Shuffle reading on Patreon so you can smite Brandon. Uh, every day of your life. Brandon? Yep, and after you listen to Shuffle, you can follow me at American Collins and all social media platforms. You can follow the show at Medium P Podcast as well on all those platforms. And then be sure to subscribe at youtube.com slash popcorn so you get alerted about all future reviews, videos, and celebrity interviews on that uh, page. Um, thank you again, Tom, so much for joining us. This has been a blast. Um, and, Cheers, guys. and uh, congratulations on the film. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. And I would love to have you back on whenever you got something to promote. Absolutely. And uh, Tom, again, thank you very much. And at any point, if you decide, like, I just need one person to be in every single one of my films. Oh, I'm, my available. God. I'm, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> Don't do Brandon because Brandon, if you watch Shuffle, you know, <laughs> no, I'll leave him alone. 
<laughs> Try to talk me Thanks, out of work. Guys, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Medium popcorn. We are two niggas spoiling movies. Yeah. Brand new columns. That's me. And Justin Brown for your moving needs. Medium popcorn. Woo! You haven't seen it, well, we're gonna spoil it. Spoil it in your face. That's your warning. Uh. So if you get pisses or your butt.